Welcome to The Great People Show, your guide to greatness, your GPS to excellence. Here's your host, J.J. White. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Great People Show. I'm your host, J.J. White, and in The Great People Studio with The Great People co-host is a great person, James Muncy. What's up, Muncie? What's up? What's How up, you doing, buddy? Glad to see you here. I'm glad to be here. How are you today? We, we we both had a little rough morning going on here, but we're in, we're in it to win it. Absolutely, man. Because we're, our team we're work, a team. Our teamwork makes your dream work. That's right. You know, I'm a little disappointed. I, I thought we were going to open up the show with the A team theme. That I was did too. that was I the was, request, and I guess didn't. it just slipped through the crack. I don't know. Maybe <sighs> maybe we need to um, <clears throat> maybe we need to have a team meeting around here. <laughs> <laughs> and and decide what our uh, what our objectives and our vision and our mission is and how we're going to tactically tactically fulfill our mission using a team themes appropriately. Maybe so, maybe so. Tracy, is there any way you can queue up an a team theme for us before the show's over just to hear it? <laughs> <laughs> actually, we have a little plug here. We can actually plug it in. I think. Yeah, I yeah, was we'll make say, that happen. We'll, uh, we'll make it happen. Yeah, we need to get some a team theme in here. So uh, every show for you, the listener. We're delivering the insights and inspiration for a life of significance and serving others because true greatness is serving other people. So thank you for joining us here, whether you're listening to us live on radio, Facebook Live, or at the podcast, wherever that may be. There's like 50 places to listen to podcasts these days. Thank you for being here and allowing us to be part of your journey. And you can get every show on our website, greatpeopleshow.com. And today we're talking about teams, specifically how to be the best possible team player that you can be. And whenever we think of teams, you know, there's the obvious ones, right? Sports teams. Right. Work teams. Yeah. There are some that uh, are maybe just as known, but most of us don't get to participate in, which are military teams. And the team that you serve on, on the side, if you want to call it that, your your fire team. And um, you missed the show. You, You weren't here the time that we talked a lot about you in the fire service. It was the, the show after I volunteered over at the fire department that day. Oh, and I was so inspired. Yeah. yeah. I was so inspired that I wanted to talk about that on the show and you weren't here. Yes, so I, I'd, uh, I'd like to bring that back up because a few years ago, and I can't find the freaking article that I read. There was a, an article written about how fire teams, fire EMS teams are some of, if not the most successful teams in society, and it really focuses in on the fact of the environment in which you all are in and the mission that you all have and how much you depend on each other and how that is unique to just about any other team that we're in. And I'd like your insights on that, on why that is. I mean, it's just, it's a level of trust that we have between each other that I've never experienced. And when you came that day, you know, we talked about this and I think you saw it. It's just an environment like like none other, and yeah. I've never been in the military. I don't know what that's like. I imagine in a very in a very different environment. It's it's probably a lot of the same camaraderie. But I mean, you are placing your life in each other's hands. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I was there yesterday. Uh, at one point yesterday, we uh, we had a vehicle with uh, somebody stuck, an eighty three year old person stuck Ooh. in the back, and it was hanging over the precipice of a retaining wall. Oh gosh. How and how so how how far of a drop is this? Uh the drop was probably about ten feet or so. Wow. That's um, actually a lot when you're in a car. Well, hanging I mean, certain, off of it. Certainly enough to to seriously injure somebody. Mm-hmm. And we had to shore this car, but my point is that we had to work under this car 
and uh, and and around it. I'm showing you oh some, my gosh. some pictures here. Holy smokes! And you know, Whoa. so we're we're moving around this thing to stabilize it, yep. and we have to depend on each other. And there's a person in there. There's a person in there. Oh but then what you don't see in these pictures are us setting all this up where we're under it, we're around it, yeah. and we're counting on each other to be looking out for each other mm-hmm. and doing things right. And you know, you're forced into a situation where where you have to. You have to mesh well mm-hmm. as a team. And I'm sure that there are fire departments and military units and police departments where the teams have some dysfunction, where they don't yeah. get along. Fortunately, I've never experienced that. And uh, it, it's just, it's been life-changing for me. Isn't a part of the structure, though, that if it gets dysfunctional and there is a member of the team that just doesn't fit, that that just cannot last very long and that has to go away? That yeah. person does have to go away? So I guess... Um, I wouldn't say we've ever dysfun- been dysfunctional. We did have a member of our team a while back who just what it it didn't mesh well. Uh, this person's head wasn't really in the game day to day, and uh, and they ultimately were uh, were put into a different situation that was probably a better fit for yeah. them. Yeah, and there's so there's a lot of unique things happening here. Right? There's a, a strong level of dependency, mm-hmm. trust, um, life or death situations all the time, and one thing I noticed. And, and I've noticed this with other similar teams that are centered around, um, whether it be military or, or fire department, is you've got a vast, or a, let's just say a, a wide spectrum of personalities, oh, of yeah. different political views, religious views, uh, personal backgrounds that have to come together and do it brilliantly from what I've seen. Absolutely. It, like nowhere else. You're, nowhere else. You're, you're absolutely right. So you have all these different, like you said, all these different backgrounds and, and everything. But what you do have in common, which is usually a bad thing, is the vast majority of all those personalities are all A-type personalities. So yeah. you get a bunch of, of alpha-type mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. together. It's extraordinary. A lot of time would, you know, butt heads with each other. It's extraordinary. But uh, that's not the way it works. And it's, it's awesome. Like how in the world, how in the world... Are we able to pull that off there, but very few other places? Like if you look at work teams, half of the marriages end up in divorce. Like how do we pull it off there, but we just can't seem to pull it off in most other places? That's a great question. And, you know, there are people I think who go around the mil- with the military especially, and they talk about mil- bringing military teamwork in mm-hmm. to influence people in other parts of their lives. As a matter of fact, uh, Asher, one of the uh, producers here just before the show started, was talking about his uh, his workout this morning, mm-hmm. which is through a military type of, uh, of, of you know, physical fitness regimen. Yeah. Well-known company here in Richmond that mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. utilizes. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I, I know the owner of that company, great guy. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty cool because what they do is they bring military teamwork and bring it to all these, these civilians who are trying to get in better shape and, and put them under intense, extraordinary situations exactly. physically, right? You're yep. not in life and death situations, but you're, you're pushing people beyond their edge and that, that connects some sort of, I guess, let's just call it common ground. Well, you know, as I was thinking about this topic, it, it, it doesn't matter how good you are, how talented you are, or even how smart you are. You cannot accomplish anything without other people. Absolutely nothing. Um, you're never bigger than anyone on the teams that you serve. I don't care if you're the leader. I don't care if you're the owner of the company. You're never bigger than anyone else on that team. But do you see it as a service? 
even if you're the leader on the team, you are the servant. The two greatest things that get in your way of being the best team member possible is your ego and you're really unsure how to follow. And when you think about uh, teamwork, we rarely think about followership. And followership is about serving and um, it's not about not being the leader. I mean, followership is also an attribute of being an amazing leader. And people don't realize that. Well, not everybody can be the leader, right? And this is something that I think is a real problem that we have is is everybody always wants to be. And maybe that's another great thing about the fire department. And I know we're going to keep bringing this Mm -hmm. part in through the show. Mm -hmm. We take turns being the leader. Great point. We take turns. Great point. And every day that you work, you have a different, and it's not this way in all departments. It's, it's this way in, in the one that I'm affiliated with. Mm-hmm. We, take, we take turns, and some days you're the leader, and some days you're the follower. Mm-hmm. And both are very different, and both are a lot of fun. There's a lot to be said about walking in someone's shoes. In fact, there's a saying out there, you should walk a mile in someone's shoes. Do you know why? Why is that? Because you're a mile away and you have their shoes. So don't go away, folks. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to keep talking about teamwork. You're listening to The Great People Show. Show. We'll be right back. Call into the show at 804-454-1366. Now back to The Great People Show live. Call into the studio at 804-454-1366. That's 804-454-1366. Did you get my joke when we left? (laughs) You had this total blank look like. I don't get it, or that just was not funny at all. I'm sorry. I was thinking about something else. My apologies. <laughs> what a great team we make here in the studio. We do make a great team. Yeah. Um, let's first talk about, <clears throat> or second, because we've already talked about stuff. Let's second talk for a second. I can't talk right now. I'm a little chucked up on my words. Nine common self-serving team member behaviors. I found this at uh, cpointcenter.com um, because... I'd say, James, this is just a guess. I'd say 90% of the time when you're on a team, you're thinking of yourself. You're thinking of your own goals. You're thinking of what you need to accomplish. You're thinking of yourself. It's just in our nature. I think most people, that is the case. I think there are exceptions, but Mm -hmm. I think that the vast majority of people, I agree. Let's go most people most of the time. Yep. Let's Uh, just keep uh, it generic. Absolutely. I don't want anybody calling in and telling me it's 70%. Mm -hmm. Let's just not get into that ballgame. Um. That um, number one is criticizing or or blaming, because that's I think the number one thing that we get caught up in with teams is we are all about that team success, and when things don't go well or as well as we expect, we don't want to get caught up in the negativity of being on that team. So we blame other people. Well, you know, I tried, I did my best on this, and and the other folks didn't quite pick mm-hmm. up their weight. So. You know, when you're by yourself, when, when it's all you, uh, I, I've had my fair share of people that don't want to take the blame. But, I mean, when you get into a group of people, it's really easy to pass it around and give it away. It is. And this is a fine line here because the word criticizing, one of the most difficult things in being part of a team, especially in a workplace, in an office-type workplace, mm-hmm. is when you have a differing opinion from the majority of the rest of the team. Yep. And it's riding that line between, okay, so do I want to let my opinion 
be known. I don't want to come on too strong. Maybe I'm best off to just keep it to myself and making those sorts of decisions. So where, where is, where is that line? That's a really good question. Um, and you're talking about a lot of different things here. Being critical to someone, it depends on, it depends on the motive behind it. And right. it also depends on your intention. Well, wait a minute. Didn't I just say the same thing? Isn't motive and intention the exact same thing? I, I think okay. So um, there was just a lot of verbal garbage coming out at that moment. So let's talk about intention, right? If your intention is to identify something in the team that needs to change, that needs to move forward, I don't think that's, I, yeah, I, that's giving criticism. It's giving constructive criticism. It's being critical of something. And of all the articles I read about this and of all the books I've read about it and of all the experience I have, the the number one or two attribute of successful teams is honesty. So if that criticism is done with blatant honesty, now we could talk a lot about how you deliver that. But if that is done in a, in a sense of this is here to help you and us, then I think it's perfectly legit. Mm-hmm. The, the problem we run into is whenever we try to throw it, we, we're trying to be critical of someone else without first being critical of our own ideas of, of okay. ourselves. Um, subgrouping is another big problem in, in team, very self-serving. And so you're part of a team um, and you see something that needs to change, see something that you can get done. So you grab a couple other people and let's just us work on this. Mm. Let's just, let's meet separate without telling anybody else. So you kind of do things hidden. Uh, under underground in a way. Talk talk about a cancer you're creating. It is. And sometimes this can happen without people. People aren't always intentionally mm-hmm. trying to block other people out. It's not always a negative intention here, mm-hmm. but people fail Correct. to look at what they are doing from the other team member's perspective. Yeah. And in the back of your head, it's a challenge, but you've got to be thinking about, okay, how, how does this, how does what I'm doing look from the outside, from the rest of the group. I think a lot of people don't do that. I think most people don't do Either that. Either they're not thinking about that or they just don't care. Like they're yeah. so bitter towards something else that's going inside the team or they're so frustrated, they just kind of throw caution to the wind. Absolutely. And sometimes there is that one person in the team who you really, really don't like, who you yeah. clash with, who you want nothing to do with. And people try to, again, it's sort of human nature. You try to isolate them out of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Another one is detouring, trying to get the team to go another direction, specifically your direction, because you think your idea is right and the other ideas are not right. So you try to lead it in another direction. I don't know that that's really necessarily a bad thing often. Again, it's all all these are based on intent. Um, Blocking is part of that as well. The fifth one is, is competing. Like, what are you competing for in a team? Yeah. Like this, I see this a lot in sports teams more, more or less, right? So you've got some skills. And uh, someone else has some skills. And uh, maybe you're in a sport that's like soccer, where it's based on how many goals you can get. Mm -hmm. So you're competing on how many goals I can get. Now, we've talked about this on the show before. There's good competition. There's bad competition. The good competition is the the tide that rises all boats. Right. The bad competition is you're trying to take something away from someone else in order for you to be seen in a positive light or to get your glory out of it, whatever that might be. Um. This one's kind of funny. This next one, I, 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 this was this was is horsing around. Oh come Man, on! Man, there are people in groups that that's all they do, James. Like it's just their nature, it's their personality. Um, where's the line between this horsing around being a distraction 
and something that contributes to the team actually being fun. It's enjoyable. That's a great question. Mm -hmm. And you know what? There is, it's a tough one to answer. Yeah. Humor is incredibly important to building rapport between a group and building morale. And you have to be able to step back, laugh at yourselves, make jokes. Um, But yeah, when is, I think when it's too much is if it is, if, if, if horsing around, so to speak, is getting in the way of accomplishing the tasks that you are set out to do, then it's too much. Usually from a time perspective. Right. And actually what most people don't notice, it's from a focus perspective. Mm -hmm. Nothing is more frustrating for me than to feel like you're actually like hard charging down this path and someone starts to cut a bunch of jokes. And all of a sudden now we're like on a, it's kind of like detouring in a way, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's just, for whatever reason, and I think a lot of it is showboating. There's a lot of you out there that uh, like just like to get attention. Yep. So you'll say something funny. I do it probably more often than I should, especially, here's a good example. I, I spent two days this week with a client, and I had a participant who has blonde hair, and her name is Elsa. Okay. okay? We we could have spent a lot of time horsing around on that. Yeah. She was fully prepared for it. Because of a She's a grown movie, woman, so movie. she's pretty used to this. Yeah, you know, that whole, hey, Elsa, let it go, you know? Oh, gosh. We never spent time really making fun of that. And we could have. Like, yeah. we could have horsed around on that one thing. Plus, some, So sometimes you just get this this charisma going with some with somebody in a group of people, and you can't stop. Well, you do. And, you know, that whole, that example brings up another strong point. It's one thing to horse around, but, you know, if, if there's a person in your group who is six foot five, they hear all day long jokes about how tall they are. Yeah. Probably not funny to them. If you've got yeah. a if you've got a woman named Elsa with blonde hair, I mean, how many times <laughs> a day resist. does she hear that? There is a there is a woman in, in the organization that I work with whose name is Felicia. Okay. <laughs> By Felicia. And it was immediate. I just ne- exactly. But <laughs> never, ever, ever have I said that to her because I think this poor woman, yeah. how many times a day yeah. do people say that to her? Yeah. Um, so think about that just a little bit. We're not short on opportunities to horse around in this world. No. In fact, now this would be this would be a neat observation to make. Should we actually, are we on teams where we actually should be horsing around a little bit more just to break the ice? Because I've been part of some groups that are just too intense. They're too, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're too wound up that there needs to be some sort of horsing around. But we're, but some people, it's just a part of their personality. It's a part of their attitude. Right. And, and it, from an outsider looking in, it looks like they just can't help themselves. And it starts to really, I, I think, I think it's a line here, but that's, that's a big aspect of being a poor team member is, yeah. is constantly cutting up jokes and whatnot, which leads to the next one, which is monopolizing. Yeah. And um, I see this, I see this probably more often than anything on both the teams that I've served and um, working with clients is you've got personalities that just can't stop talking. Yeah. They, they talk a lot, but they say very little. And again, they may think they can't help themselves. And I don't, I, I have, I have a big problem with that term. Well, I just can't help myself. Some people don't know when to stop talking. And they feel like that they're constantly adding value when what they're doing is they're taking the opportunity away from someone else to talk. So that would be something that I think a few of our audience members need to really keep in check. I don't, there's not, in a team of 10, there's always one that just cannot stop talking. Yeah. Attention all you strong A types out there. Yeah. It's probably you. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. Um, this last one is, is, is unprepared. Oh, we've had another one. We have more pages. Thanks, buddy. 
Um, second to last one yep. is unprepared. Isn't that ironic? <laughs> being unprepared. <laughs> yeah. um, when we serve on a team and we're just not into it, or we we're quote unquote busy, mm-hmm. and uh, we just show up at these things. Um, you know, it's back to the sports team analogy, and even the military team analogy, and especially the fire department analogy. You don't, don't just don't show up when there's a fire. You just don't show up when there's a game. You just don't show up whenever there's like a battle going on. Correct. I mean, you're showing up probably a hundred times more often. I'd I'd love to know what the what the percentage of time is where you're actively engaged in the fire truck, going to the scene and coming back. What percentage of that time is compared to all the other time you spend training, talking being at the firehouse, bonding, things of that nature. Yeah. I mean, if you just look at it, actually fighting fires, yeah. it would be a fraction of a percentage. Yeah. But yeah. in that fraction of percentage, you better get it right. Yeah, which is, which gets into the preparedness That's thing. Right. A, lot, a lot of teams, they, they try to minimize the time they're together because they're so busy doing other things. When in fact, I think a huge... A huge thing that you can do for your team is suggest to meet more often to do the right to do the right prep, right, right, right to to get together. And even if it is a subgroup to work on things, I think that's very, very important. It is. And and when we come back, not only are we going to talk about the ninth thing, JJ, but <laughs> I I have a it's there I have a tenth <gasps> self serving team member item. I'm and throw, and I'm, maybe your audience does. They can call us. Absolutely. Yeah. So don't go away, folks. You are listening to The Great People Show. The Great People Show will be right back. Call into the show at 804-454-1366. All right. Welcome to the A-Team, folks. You're listening to The Great People Show. So we got through eight. Okay, we can stop the music now. Of our nine common self-serving team member behaviors. I don't know. There's still something playing. It is. I don't know. Well, we can just keep... Oh, there we go. <laughs> I was like, wow, we really like the 18 team. I do love here. that theme. That was, is a great... It was that is a great twice. theme. It was playing twice somewhere. That's, That's fantastic. Awesome. We'll get it right next time. Yeah. That's what teams do. That's right. That's what teams do. So we're talking about teamwork. Probably one of the greatest teams ever in the history of America was the A-Team. They were. They were former military, para-something or others. And what was the A-Team's motto? They, you know, uh, what, what was the, the intro when, when, you know, when no one will help you, when no one will answer the call? If you can find if them. If you can find them. <laughs> you you can, might. You might. Yeah, be able to hire <laughs> the A-Team. And while he's not part of the A-team, he was former military, a friend of mine that uh, communicated to us or kind of responded to us on the on the Facebook post, the social media post this week on what's the greatest team you've ever been a part of, um, the, was the Army. Yeah. Um, and so Scott, so we have Scott on the line who uh, served in the Army and is going to talk to us a little bit about being an awesome team member. Scott, you with us? Yeah. Hey, JJ, can you hear me? Yes, sir. What's up, Clay Brook? Uh, doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing good. So, um so on the on the show today, we've been talking about, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there about how to be a great leader on a team. And what we are focusing on today is how to be the best team player. And we cannot avoid at all the fact that the United States military produces amazing teams. And you responded to our social media post 
that that was um, the greatest team that you had ever served. Why why was your Army team the greatest team that you ever served on? Well, I think it was because it was early on in my life, and it was it was one of those situations where we were forced to be a great team. In what know? way? Well, you know, they, they broke us down mentally, physically, and then sort of rebuilt us back up. Um, you know, I think any, uh, any great team hits a point where the mission or the goal becomes more important than their individual thoughts or ideas. And I think that's, uh, you know, that speaks real loud in the military because, uh, everybody's really just dependent on everybody else and also themselves mm-hmm. in order to accomplish, you know, very important things that could, you know, lead to life or death. And that brings up a really big question. We were talking with uh, James, the co-host here earlier, because he's in the fire department. Um, mm-hmm. Is there enough adversity on a team to bring people together like that? Because when you're a firefighter or you're in the Army, there's a built-in adversity, isn't there? It's the it, well. First of all, the army creates adversity for you, right, to get right. you ready, and and that prepares you for the real adversity of outside of the training. So, how how much adversity? How much was adversity a part of of this mindset for you? Well, we we practiced a lot. We trained a lot. We we trained every possible situation that could go wrong multiple mm-hmm. times. That way, if we ever did get called out to, you know, a real firefighter, whatever the case might be, that it was it, it was second nature. Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, it was it was one of those things where um, they had a, a saying: for every gallon of sweat, saved a pint of blood. And <laughs> it, it, I like yeah, that. Nice. Really, really truth. Real truth to that. So, yeah, very powerful. So, from your perspective, joining the army, getting into probably various teams that you were on. At, right. at any given time, what do you think, from your perspective, are the keys to success to being an effective team player or team member on a team? Well, I, I think one of the biggest misconceptions is the old saying, there's no I in team. Mm-hmm. Well, literally, there's no I in team, but you really have to do your part. The first part of being a good team member, I think, is knowing what your job is being able to do your job so it doesn't let the team down. Once you can do your job uh, effectively, then, you know, you might want to waver over into other people's, you know, help them out, you know, be flexible, have Mm -hmm. input, that type of thing. Um, Also, I think uh, a lot of uh, what is important to a a good team is if your leader is engaging, Mm -hmm. you know, um, they need to find out, uh, what motivates you if if they don't you know if they're not a good leader and they don't come around and try to try to pick your brain a little bit up on what motivates you you just need to tell them yeah because that's that's what's good going point. to you know you, people can give me all the time in the world off but if I'm motivated by money time off's not really going to get me to do the best job I can do and you know that's a very powerful statement because I think a majority of the time most leaders don't take the time to find out what motivates you. And as followers, we don't take the initiative to share that back. So in order to be a great follower, we have to take the initiative to have that line of communication with the leader to say, hey, chief, hey, boss, hey, team leader, hey, whoever, um, 
this is what really, this is what I really like about the team. And this is what gets me going. Can we do more of this? Or this is missing for me. Can we do more of this? It's, it's up right. to us, isn't it? We have to do that. And how does that play out in the military? Are you allowed to do that? <laughs> well, there's a time and a place for everything. <laughs> That's right. You know, Good point. and, uh, I like to think of my kids, you know, half my kids do exactly what they're told when, when they're told to do it. And the others, they want to know why and mm. how, you know, you know, what is all involved before they <laughs> do it. And it sort of drives me crazy, but, yeah. uh, it's one of those things where, uh, there's nothing wrong with asking questions. There's nothing wrong with trying to figure out why you're doing something. You just need to know when to time it. Yeah, good point. You know, when, when you're told to do something, that's not the time to question why you're doing it, unless obviously <laughs> you're, you're going to harm yourself or whatnot. Yeah, if you're really worried. Uh, you know, but you can go back later and say, hey, boss, you know, now that we have a little downtime, can you go into detail on why we picked this route instead of the other route? I like that. And you know, I, I think that they'd be more than happy to explain it to you uh, that's, if they want you to grow. That's another really important statement for our listeners that we usually pick the wrong time to communicate emotions, don't we? We like we, oh, yes. we wait for the situation to get emotional and, and, mm-hmm. and then, then we communicate our emotions and that literally adds gasoline on the fire. So, so what right. you're saying is, um, get out of the emotions, especially if you're on that team where there's a lot of adversity or, uh, driven by intense situations, that's not the mm-hmm. time to try to get something off your chest, is it? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah. Scott, what would be some parting words for our audience, you know, with your with your military background, serving in such amazing teams? What's one piece of advice you have for our audience before we leave today? I think that you can learn something from everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that old saying, you know, treat the janitor just as with as much respect as the CEO. And that really, you know, that, that a lot of truth into that, just no matter who you meet, no matter who you talk to, whether they're leading you or following you or whatever the case might be, that you can learn something from everybody and you just need to go into uh, situations with an open mind and, and be a team player. That's awesome. Scott, thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate you uh, contributing to our show. Yes, sir. Hey, thank you. Have a good one. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye. And we're, we're getting a lot of good stuff here. Um, yeah. I've got a nice laundry list of going before we leave the show here of all the things that we can do to be a better follower, be a better team player. Um, uh, do you have, are there other people in the military, in the fire department, former oh, military? Lots. Is that, is that a, a, a pathway for them? Yes. Do you see a difference between the way those folks interact in a team in general compared to someone that has not been in the military? I don't really see, I don't know that I see a, a difference. I, I mean, the people that have been in the military are generally very, very strong team players. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend Brad, who yep. was, uh, tried to call him to the show before, uh, he was, <laughs> <laughs> we had some technical That's difficulties that day. That's a funny. Uh, but you met Brad. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, when, that day that we were, yeah. uh, that you were with us. Driven uh, guy. Yeah. Brad was in the army, mm-hmm. uh, for many years. Um, guy who was, uh, on, on my shift uh, until he recently relocated to Florida. Uh, Ryan was in the Marines mm-hmm. and he was a firefighter in the Marines. Okay. And, uh, you know, I mean, some of the best people that, uh, that, that I know yeah, that are with us. And they take a lot of those skills, you know, a big part of being on any team. And it's certainly true in the fire service is to pass on your strengths mm-hmm. to the fellow team members mm-hmm. and the people mm-hmm. who were in the military are very good generally at taking those qualities and exemplifying them and sharing them with the team. And the team kind of, it helps to, 
it, they take they take that on and coach. Yeah, they, they they coach them up exactly with it. And the, and the fire department, just like the most police departments, uh, etc., is a paramilitary organization. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you know, and what that means is that we have we have a chain of command. We have ranks. Mm-hmm. We have we have certain certain things that we do that are mm-hmm. like the military. We operate as, as a paramilitary organization, so it, so it helps. There's a lot to be said about that. So we're talking about teamwork today, and when we come back, we're going to start talking more about how to be a better follower. Don't go away, folks. The A-Team is back in the Great People Show studio. I want to be, um, I want to be B.A. Who do you want to be? <laughs> face? I, Are you a face guy? I love B.A. Or Murdoch? Man. No, I, <laughs> I love B.A. Well, we need a little crazy going on in here. We do. And because and we're... Oh, go the A-Team, don't forget, they were... And, and my gosh, I don't have our, our millennial viewers probably only <laughs> anecdotally know what the A-Team well, there was a is. Movie too, there was a movie, too. There wasn't... Yeah. If I just pretty bad, uh, <laughs> but the A team, first of all, fortunately, nobody who they ever faced had good aim with their guns. Um, good point. There were more bullets shed in that show than about anything else, but they never hit any, couldn't <laughs> hit a broadside right. of a barn. Well, it kept the series going, but the team wasn't, you know, that team was fairly dysfunctional and mm-hmm. it, it showed how, <laughs> um, you know, Murdoch and Mr. T, they didn't get along yeah. at all, Yeah, but, they always had each other's, even though their personalities clashed, mm-hmm. they always had each other's backs at the end of the day. And no matter what, if you get two people together, you're going to have a strong chance of personalities clashing. Absolutely. I, mean, I think that's the utopia that we look for is that everyone on the same team is just like each other and everything flows. Yeah. I, I don't actually, I don't know how effective that is. I mean, I think the best teams are the ones where you've got a lot of different personalities going on. Um and because of our teamwork here in the studio, James uh, subtly reminded me that we never finished that list from earlier. And the list is the nine common self-serving team member behaviors. Number nine is withdrawing, because I think that's what some of us do, and we just decide to stay in the team no matter what. You had a tenth one. Yeah, and you I know, want to know your tenth one. Well, Scott, and I'm glad he did. Uh, Scott Scott stole it on on oh. the on the call. No, okay. which is awesome because it's a huge huge thing. If you if you step outside of your assigned role. Mm-hmm. That is certainly a self-serving team member uh, behavior. Mm -hmm. When you are on a team, you have got to know your role and you have got to fulfill your role and let your teammates do theirs. In teams that I've been a part of and teams that I have witnessed, there are a few things that will bring a team down faster and harder than people who do not know Mm -hmm. or do not follow what their role on that team is supposed to be. Mm Mm-hmm. You and I talk a lot when when we get together outside of the show and talk about the show and everything. Yeah. We often talk about our roles within mm-hmm. the show. Yeah. Because we do it, it hopefully to the listener it's not, you know, super obvious, but you know, you and I we do go into this with a plan. We are a team <laughs> and we each know what our roles are yeah. in the studio. Yeah, absolutely. Um and thinking of the roles, uh one of the catalysts for the show was a friend of the show, Kent, sent me some information on this Australian 
rugby team. I'd never mm. heard of them. I'm not a rugby guy, but he sent me this information, and the name of the team are the All Blacks. So don't get a, don't get carried away, folks. It's the name of an Australian <laughs> okay. rugby team called the All Blacks, and I didn't know about this, but apparently it's the most successful rugby team in the history of the world, and they're so good, nobody can beat them. They're so good, nobody wants to play them. Wow. I mean, talk about a team, right? And uh, what we found were these 15 All Blacks principles from, from their team Never be too big to do the small things that need to be done. And I mm. think some people don't humble themselves enough in teams Amen. to realize that, hey, I'll, t- I'll get that. I'll do that. Yep. They just see themselves as above that. Uh, when you're on top of your game, change your game. And there's so many things that, that come and go in this world. Yep. Um, leaders create leaders. And it's about sharing responsibility. And we talked about that earlier is to take turns being the leaders. No one is bigger than the team. The team always comes first. And I love this one. We've talked about this one a lot here is practice under pressure. I think a lot of teams don't make it. And a lot of people don't know how to be that effective team uh, team member because you don't feel the pressure. Our best will come out under pressure. Always. May not come out at first, but it will come out. Um, but I'll tell you what else happens under pressure. We all go to our most basic level of training, mm. which is why we have got to train mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. just every once in a while, often. As Mike Tyson said, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. Yes, sir. And then all of a sudden, you just revert back to what's that core. That's right. right? That we that we instinctively know. Correct. And a lot of us, a lot of you, may not have great instincts. That core behavior and those instincts may not be very positive. That's trainable. Mm-hmm. That's coachable. Correct. Um, I like this one. And this one is a fascinating thing to think about, is be a good ancestor. Plant trees you'll never see. That's big, man. That's huge. A lot of times we just want to do things that are going to matter right now. We need to be doing things that are going to matter in a year, in five years, maybe even 10 years. Mm-hmm. And most people don't think like that. Um, Joe McKeever uh, had, had a nice list on, on how to be a great follower. Um, and this is really, I think, hard for some people to deal with is not everyone is meant to be a leader. Like, and when I say leader, I mean the one that is responsible and in charge of the team. We're all leaders on yeah. the team. But that one person that is responsible and in charge, and 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 it's okay. I hear Gainer, uh, Gary. I hear Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V talk a lot about. It. He goes, "You may not be meant to be number one. You may make a great number two. You may make a great number eight. You may make a great number fifty. We're not all designed to be leaders. We are all designed to be great followers, no matter what. And we need to we need to know what our role is on that team and stick to that role." Absolutely. So we're just talking about. And uh, another one, no leader leads in every area. And so that's something that great leaders on teams will know. And they will literally delegate that leadership responsibility to someone else on the team mm-hmm. that's probably the best to do it. A lot of leaders don't do that. So if you're on a team and you feel like you've got the competency and the skill and you can really help the team, that's when you have to step up and maybe have a sidebar conversation with the leader and say, I want this, coach. Let me go do this. I can do this. I, I can I can get it done well. Yeah. And then a good leader, and I know that the show is not about leadership today specifically, but then that good leader will let them do it and not micromanage them. Yep. You mentioned to me one time there's, um, I think, a captain, somebody in the fire department that does not like to drive the truck. Yeah. A lot it, of people don't just like to drive the truck. Just doesn't like to drive the truck. Yeah. And if, you, if, you, if there's things in your leadership role you don't like to do, um, that's when you advertise that. Yeah. And in... There's going to be somebody on the team that not only loves to do it, but can do it better than you. Yes. And let them thrive in that environment. Who are you letting drive the truck? 
Ooh, big question there, right? Um, honor the honor the leader and also bless other members, right? You've got to be able to find things that other people need encouragement over. Um, don't wait for the leader to do that. Be supportive to them. We started the show with this concept is we need to keep our ego out of it. Like so often, I just don't know what it is about whenever we just jump into a group of people, we feel like it's about us. Man, we've got to get, we've got to get something out of this. And that, that, this is probably the biggest one. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, you know, the whole, there is no I in team. I mean, Scott mentioned it. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if you go in there with, if you don't leave that ego at the door, you are being detrimental to that team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know where I see that a lot? I see that in the Olympics. I don't know if it's because the media props them up or if they're propping themselves up, but so many Olympic athletes that are on these teams that think, know, and believe they're the best in the world, they don't need the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's the limelight. I, I'm not sure what it is. It reminds me of the, um, I hope I get the story straight, the U.S. softball, the U.S. women's softball team from the Olympics maybe eight years ago, whenever that, whenever two, two Olympics ago, were just sweeping the other teams in the Olympics. Just mm-hmm. absolutely sweeping them. And this gets back to the adversity. Do you know the story, how they practiced? No. The coaches cranked up the speed on the pitching machines so fast and never told the players that when they showed up to the Olympics, to them, the balls were going so slow, they could read the writing on the balls. Wow. They were crushing it. Wow. So they actually put the team through adverse conditions, but didn't even really tell them that until they showed up. And it was like, this is unbelievably that's easy. A, that's a great story. And think of the difference it would have made if they would have told them, hey, we're going to keep cranking this up. Yeah. Um, it was literally getting them prepared for beyond the worst case scenario of the fastest pitch you can imagine that never happened. But talk about a team that needs to to, to have solidarity yeah. uh, on the world stage. Um and being faithful to the team, this this actually came at the end of the other list, right? A lot of people, a lot of you withdraw from teams. You withdraw with other people. A team that you withdraw from is your home team, your spouse, your kids. I'm, I was gone for a few days this week. I get home last night. I got plenty of things to do. But I totally submitted to what my kids and my wife wanted me to do last night. Mm-hmm. Spend time with them. Uh, I was exhausted. I was tired. But I knew I was walking into this team and I had to give it my all. I was and, faithful to the team. And you got to be. Because you know what? That is that is probably, if you have a family, that is the most significant and important team that you will ever have. Mm-hmm. And you need to be part of that team. You've got to be present with that team every day. And if the cheese moves and you're in a situation where you end up divorced and especially if you have children, mm-hmm. you still have to find a way yep. to make that team work in order for your kids to have the best possible you know, outcome in their lives. The team may have broken and separated, but the team still exists. Correct. Yep. Regardless if you're participating in the team, the team still exists. And a lot of us forget that. Yes. And I mean, you, you, you committed to that team for life and mm-hmm. it's okay. I'm, I, you know, a lot divorces happen all the time. I'm not, I'm not saying yeah. you shouldn't get divorced. That's personal decision. But if you do, you still have to recognize that you are still going to be a part of that team forever. Scott Milroy on Facebook live. Love you, Scott. I'm glad you were on my team in late January at our TriVantage sales meeting. You can learn a lot from teammates. Mm-hmm. We heard that earlier. Um, in fact, let's, let's start to wrap up today's show on what we've gained just in this show on how to be a more effective team player. Um, 
we heard earlier, take turns being the leader. And a part of that is the leader's role and responsibility to make sure other people get those opportunities. But as you said in the, in the fire service, that everyone needs to know what it's like to be sitting in all those shoes at some point. Mm-hmm. You will treat different, you will treat people with respect. You will, you will treat people with dignity differently if you take turns being that leader. Um, ask yourself, is there enough adversity in the team? Now, it's a difficult conversation to have because you're like, how can we really throw a, throw a Molotov cocktail in the middle of this team <laughs> to see what's, what's going on? But yep. there are certain things you can do to get out of your comfort zone to make sure that you're working together as hard as you can, like you see in the fire service or if you see in the military where there's inherent adversity. Maybe you need to find a way to, to crank it up a notch to bring some adversity into that team. Know your job, not your, not necessarily your role, but what is your job on the team? Many of us go into a team and we want to do a certain job, but that's not our job. So we withdraw from that team. Mm. It's like, not only should you know it, but you should actually do it. Scott mentioned this, tell your leader what motivates you. You have to communicate what gets you fired up. Don't wait for someone to ask you too many times in life. We just sit around and wait for people to talk to us. No, take the initiative to get it done. And I love this one. What can you learn from everyone on the team? What what there what, what do these other people have that you could learn? Because oftentimes we stop growing because we think we know it all. Yeah, I mean your team. So you know, I also work on a on a sales team. We mm-hmm. are a nationwide sales team, and our national sales manager loves to say to us, and it's true. One of his catchphrases is, "The team is our best resource," and what mm-hmm. he means is. If you guys aren't calling each other and communicating and helping each other, you're missing out on life-changing information. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No question about it. We get too self-centered. We think about ourselves is you have to find a way to depend on and turn to other people, even if that's not in your personality. We want to thank our listeners, the team for being here and being part of the Great People Show. You can get all of our episodes on greatpeopleshow.com. They're everywhere. Apple Podcasts, Spreaker. YouTube, be a part of the A-Team, folks. We'll be here every Thursday. Don't go anywhere. We love you. Thank you, team. Thanks, James. Thanks, JJ. See you next week. See ya. Bye-bye.